welcome to the NK News Podcast. I'm your host, Jacko Zwetslut, and today is Saturday, February 20th, 2021. Joining me via Zoom from his home in the Netherlands is Kunda Koster to talk about doing academic fieldwork in North Korea and North Korean art. But first, I'd like to ask all of our listeners to please do me a favor. Wherever you listen to this podcast, please leave a review, whether that's on iTunes or whatever platform you use. I looked at our reviews the other day and realized that we had some positive feedback there, but it was looking pretty old. And that's mostly my fault because I haven't been encouraging you all to leave reviews. So ladies and gentlemen, please leave us some reviews and share the podcast with your colleagues and friends and even enemies. Secondly, check out NK News, your specialist source for trusted information on North Korea. Get behind the headlines at nknews.org. Consider buying a subscription for a year. It's more affordable than you think, and it helps to fund the excellent journalism that my colleagues put out every day. If you are already a subscriber, consider an upgrade to NK Pro. Now, to introduce my guest today, Dr. Kunda Koster is lecturer in Korean studies at the Leiden University Institute for Area Studies. Full disclosure, in 2015, he was also my MA thesis supervisor. Welcome on the show, Dr. Koster. Hi, Jacko. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been a long time in coming. We were going to do it in person when I was in Leiden one day. Uh, and now, of course, the uh, COVID pandemic has meant that almost everything is done via Zoom. So uh, it's very easy to, to set this up. Okay, as an academic, what is it that interests you about North Korea? That's that's a very general and broad question. And there's different ways of answering it. There is the, let's say, the historical answer. And it's also a personal answer, which is, um, it goes back to the years I was in uh, South Korea as a student, as an exchange student between 1986 and 1990, which of course, as you know, were the years of the democratization struggle. And you also know that the democratization struggle and the, the, the student movement, uh, or the Minju movement, if you like, was also deeply concerned with uh, issues of uh, unification. Uh, and so, as as a keen observer uh, of of these movements, I was uh, um, bitten by the microbe. I guess I, I was as a, as an exchange student. My field was uh, modern Korean history, and inevitably, uh, it 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 touches upon. It bleeds into contemporary history, it touches upon the division and, and, and unification. And so, yeah, those were subjects that, that somehow were always on my radar. Uh, and on top of that, I'm a, I'm a deeply political person. I'm uh, very interested in, in, in politics. Uh, and so I, I followed the debates. Uh, but it took me quite some time before I realized I could venture into North Korea as a subject to study. I always thought it was a barren land academically, uh, not of interest because uh, no access possible in terms of uh, access to materials, research materials that would give you credible uh, information. Um, but then an opportunity opened up and uh, I got to go and uh, I found a, a, a niche that allowed me to do uh, work that I think is meaningful, that has certainly given me a lot of uh, new insights into North Korea uh, and then North Korea particularly beyond the regime. And what I learned is that uh, 
Um, we have a tendency, first of all, to look at North Korea from the outside. And uh, when we look from the outside to bump into the regime and the cloak that the regime lays over North Korea and it obscures um, anything beyond the North Korean regime. We are obsessed by um, the politics of the regime, by the great leader to start with, and then uh, the machine, mach how do you say that, the, the, the workings of... Yeah, the workings of the regime and the, uh, so it's basically very politics focused. Um, but what we hardly ever see is uh, the people, if you like, uh, or the society. Uh, and and uh, that is what I realized also in going to North Korea and uh, having my niche in uh, North Korean art. Uh, I think I'm I'm looking at how the regime is able to tie society to the regime. And you can, you can define this as the propaganda system, but I like to use a less political term and think of um, the fact that I'm looking at uh, how North Koreans are socialized to function into their society. Um, culture is an important aspect in that. The education system is an important aspect. Media are important. Um, but it is a framework that, that um, um, lets North Koreans grow into becoming citizens of uh, the Democratic People's Republic of uh, Korea. So would it be fair to say that your uh, focus on North Korea, sort of focus areas, are uh, cultural production in North Korea and how that uh, affects the, the people of North Korea? Uh, cultural production, indeed, uh, with a main focus on art, but branching out, because what I see, I, I branch out into film, literature less, uh, but, but reading art theoretical writings, uh, that is not limited to, to art itself, but uh, also includes literature. And you see, um, when you look at uh, North Korean art, uh, fine arts, when you look at film, when you look at uh, stage art, um, you see that there is a kind of uh, what I like to call a loop. Uh, you have always the same images, the same slogans, the same themes coming back. Um, and so in that sense, uh, I start from art, but I can look at uh, culture uh, more broadly. And, uh, and it's interesting to look at it because it, it gives you a window into the North Korean imaginary, if you like. Um, mm. it's, it's the images that are repeated and that provide North Koreans with the vocabulary and the images to think, to speak, to dream. But in, uh, in 2015, you published a paper titled Misconceptions About North Korean Art and Why It Matters, uh, which is a great um, title to, uh, to turn into a question. So what are some misconceptions about North Korean art and why does this matter? Well, it, it, for, for me, it was a, a title that the subtitle is important. It was a, a reflection on the really essential word, a, a, a compound word, uh, which is Sasang Yesulsong. Uh, which is the double category that is used to uh, evaluate North Korean art in North Korea. So it's it's a aesthetic and ideological quality character of artwork. Um, and and I noticed when 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 foreigners or let's say in in general when uh, 
people talk about North Korean art, particularly collectors, they like to make a distinction between propaganda and art. Uh, and they like to point out that um, uh, in North Korea you have real artists uh, and then the understanding is that they are forced to do propaganda work and that propaganda work is not interesting. But beside that, they do produce um, proper art that shows their skill, their talent, their genius. And in fact, that is a fundamental misunderstanding of um, art and how it um, is organized and functions in North Korean society, but also it misunderstands the artists and how they function in North Korean society. Well, let me interrupt to ask, where does art stop and propaganda begin? That's a very difficult question. And it, it, it's a difficult question in the sense that it starts with how you define propaganda. Uh, it, it has a very negative connotation, of course, uh, and, and, but we, we load the term with, with, with um, a very negative connotation and, and propaganda is always something that others have and we don't have. But if you um, strip it of its political meaning, uh, I, I think there is a difference to be made between propaganda posters which have, which have a very direct, explicit political or socio-political aim. It's to mobilize people, mobilize them in support of the policy lines, of the party line, and uh, to motivate them into committing themselves to fulfilling whatever goals are set. So there is a very direct purpose to that art. Uh, and then when you look at uh, fine arts, you have a wide gamut of art production, which is hierarchical. And on the top of it, you have uh, what is called jujehua, so team paintings, and they are the most ideological. And they are clearly ideological when you, when you know that uh, these uh, entail also the uh, paintings that depict uh, the exploits of the leaders. And so when you, of course, have a, a painting when, uh, with one of the leaders appearing, that's, to us, it feels immediately as, uh, at the core, ideological and propagandistic. Those paintings are part of this category of Chujehua. Uh, and those paintings are, in fact, you can compare them to history paintings in the sense that even the leader paintings they depict the exploits of the leaders. So in the case of Kim Il-sung, it's about his activities in the anti-Japanese resistance uh, or, when you, or themes that uh, refer to the Korean War. But when you go to, uh, when you look at the uh, paintings that refer to um, post-establishment um, of DPRK subjects, it's all about the construction of the workers' paradise. Um, but they all refer to the creation of, or not the creation, the depiction of a reality. And that reality is, of course, an ideology-infused reality. Artists are trained to depict reality in, a, uh, in, 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 in an ideologically correct way. Does that make it propaganda? I think every artist depicts reality as he sees it. That's true for our society, too. Um, the main difference is, of course, that in North Korea, what is correct is already decided beforehand. Artists absorb it and regurgitate it, if you like. Um, a, an artist is supposed 
not to critically engage uh, the ideology, the party line, but is supposed to emulate it, to enhance it, to support it. But that again fits within the understanding of what an artist is and what the role of art in North Korean society is. Art is not uh, an independent realm, but is uh, in the service of the leader, the party, the revolution, the ideology. And it is there to promote a right understanding of the party line uh, and to emotionally touch the people. And the right emotion is an emotion that contributes to leader worship, to uh, committing to uh, the party line, committing to the people, the, the community, uh, and to um, developing North Korean society. What is uh, socialist realism and what's the North Korean uh, version of it, uh, Juche realism? It's, it's a realist, well, the, the, there is an official definition of uh, socialist, official, uh, a formal definition of socialist realism that goes back to the Soviet Union, which is um, a, a realist depiction of, uh, what is it? Um, in terms of depiction, it's realist. So you paint reality as it is, but it is, uh, team-wise, it is socialist. In North Korea, this was translated as national in form, socialist in content. Uh, and what it means is, um, if you, if, if I can repeat, so art is not for itself. Art does not refer to itself, but art has a role to play in society. And in order for art to be able to play that role, to uh, properly touch people and to enthuse them into support of the regime and the revolution, that art has to be understandable. And understandable means uh, people have to, when they look at a painting, have to understand immediately what it is about. And in order to achieve that, it has to be accessible. And so realism, the need for realism is basically all about uh, making the content, the subject of an artwork accessible. That's why it has to be a depiction of a recognizable reality. And that's why no uh, abstract art can be allowed. Well, abstract art is, uh, is, is, is not speaking to society and it's not a depiction of the life of the people, which is what art should depict. It's, uh, it's self-referent. Uh, it, it, it talks about art and it speaks to uh, a development of art. It's, it's reflecting of art as art, whereas North Korean art is much more speaking to um, a tradition of academic art, where the art itself is not what you're looking at, but you're looking at the subject. It's the depiction of something. So the content is more important than the technique of it. In modern art, that changes. It's the technique that becomes important. Does that mean that there's not much difference then between, I mean, there's not much, uh, well, maybe difference is perhaps not the word, um, that it's not significant whether you're looking at a photograph of something or a painting of something? Oh, it is. It's very, it's very different, obviously. I mean... Uh, in, in uh, Kim Jong-il's Misurlon, uh, he also says that, uh, of course, art is, uh, is, is different from, from uh, a photo. I mean, if that would not be the case, then why have uh, uh, paintings at all? 
uh, then you could be done with uh, simply taking a photo. Um, so pointing out the difference at the same time already highlights uh, the fact that an artist has a contribution to make. So painting in a realist style doesn't mean a one-to-one -one copying of what you see, because whatever you see is already determined by the way you look, by what it is you are seeing. Um, there is a myriad things when you look, but you're not taking it all in. You're selective in the way you look. And the training of an artist in North Korea is to pick up those elements that are significant. When an artist goes out, picks a subject for a painting, that selection uh, is, is important. So let me give an example, uh, a history painting. Um, uh, as I said, history paintings are important and uh, the, the artists pick their subjects based upon, if you like, the calendar. If there is an important anniversary taking place in a certain year, then artists are aware of that and they will go to archives and start collecting visual materials and read themselves into the subject and try to think of a moment in history that in its very simple two-dimensional mom moment tells you a story, opens into a vista of larger um, values, emotions. So you can have a depiction of a Korean War scene of, I'm not thinking of a particular painting, but uh, you, here we should have a painting and uh, you could work out how one moment is depicted, but it tells you something else that is much deeper. So you have the painting, it speaks to you immediately in, in what you see, but then it is riddled with props that lead you into a story that goes way beyond the painting itself. So it squeezes, if you like, a chapter of history into one moment. And that is the trick for an artist, to find what is called in uh, Kim Jong-il's Misuron, a seed. To find the seed that can be developed by the artist into a painting that grows into the mind of the viewer, into a plant, and, and gives you, in this single moment, uh, an insight that is immediate and at the same time very deep. This is Kim Jong-il's seed theory, is it? Yes. Right. So you've actually read that uh, that book uh, in Korean, Misulon, in English, I think it's called On Fine Arts. Am yes. I, have I got that right? Yeah. It's one of the works I read, yes, uh, but it's, to me it's, it's important to, uh, to, to read um, uh, North Korean art theoretical writings, not only the Misulon. Anything that is uh, published on, uh, on North Korean art theories is of interest because if I may go back to um, uh, the way uh, North Korean art has been appreciated by collectors and, uh, and, and others is very often with an understanding of the way we look at art, but I think you can only uh, gain access to North Korean art by understanding um, what it is meant to do, how it is taught in North Korea. So it doesn't make sense to, for example, talk about how it is weird that there is no abstract art. It makes perfect sense that there is no abstract art in North Korea. There is, it, 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 it just doesn't fit with the way art is understood in North Korea. And so accessing art through North Korean art theory uh, helps you in, in making sense of art in the North Korean context, but also the artworks themselves. 
well, it's different, I, I suppose. It's, it's hard for Westerners to understand because it's such a different way of, of looking at art and using art. Um, North Korean artists, do they work generally in, in one field of art only or do they, you know, do you have Renaissance artists who do a bit of um, theme painting and some propaganda painting and sculpture as well? No, no, no. They, so uh, there's an um, art educational writings I once encountered and I've seen it in other publications also. Um, a reference to uh, learning a technique is learning a language and and producing art is uh, mastering the language and being able to speak. And what that means is an artist is trained in a certain technique. It becomes uh, his mode or her mode of expression. But that is what becomes, that, that makes them unique, if you like. So uh, a sculpture is a sculpture and uh, a painter is a painter. But uh, as a painter, a painter will paint both team paintings, but also still lifes and portraits uh, and landscapes. Um, it's not so that uh, a team painter is a team painter and only a team painter. No, they, they paint the full gamut. And uh, um, the way Che Chang-ho explained it to me... Uh, no, che Chang-ho is a North Korean artist who you've met, is it? Who I've met and who is a, a quite well-known artist and internationally mostly known for his, his, his incredible uh, landscape paintings and particularly paintings of Pektusan uh, and uh, mountain ranges. Um, very powerful, very impressive, very... I mean, he is a, he's, he's an incredible talent, an imp incredible person also. Um, but he also does uh, team paintings, which is less visible to to, to outsiders. Um, those team paintings are less visible on the international market. These are the kind of histo history focused sort of uh, great yes, deeds of the yes, leader, that yes. sorts of things. Okay. Yes. So uh, what he told me when, when I asked him, so I asked him, do you only paint uh, landscape paintings? And uh, he said, no, no, no. Uh, uh, I do the, the full gamut and uh, he said landscape painting in fact is, uh, is just a step up towards uh, the team paintings but the really important paintings are team paintings and he drew out, he picked up a sketchbook and he said you see um, let me show you this, uh, it's a sketchbook uh, that I filled while I was in a hotel in Dandong uh, supervising uh, an exhibition there. Uh, and uh, in the evening he would go back to uh, come back to his hotel and he would be sketching and th th they were uh, team paintings of uh, depicting scenes from the anti-Japanese resistance in uh, in Manchuria uh, that he just came up with uh, pencil drawings and he said well um, now I have the challenge of uh, and I don't know whether I have, will have the time to uh, develop them into uh, into full-fledged uh, paintings. He had uh, a sketchbook of, uh, I think, about 10 uh, very detailed sketches. And uh, he said, well, to develop this into a painting, it takes years. And, and so going back to what he said about landscape painting, the landscapes are, on the one hand, uh, practicing his hand, uh, practicing constantly the technique, uh, stimulating his brain into absorbing landscapes, absorbing detail, did he give an indication of what percentage of his uh, output is, is theme paintings and what percentage is uh, landscapes and mountains? My impression is that artists work towards theme paintings, that they really, in, 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 in a way, they, uh, they, they motivate themselves, they work themselves into the right mindset to come up with a theme painting. 
as I said, it's uh, it's it's a choice I make. Um, every year they come up with, uh, if you like, a, a calendar for their production. I don't know how formal that is, but they have a rough idea of uh, the number of works they will uh, be producing and uh, what subjects they will do. And so, for it, at the start of the year, they already know whether they will be working for. Uh, submitting a work at the national exhibition or not, which is competitive and, uh, and, and it's something they do out of their own accord. But sometimes, uh, yeah, they don't and they, they focus on other things. Uh, it also depends on uh, the kind of work they are asked to do by the art studio they work for. Uh, so artists, are, professional artists are all affiliated with an art studio. And it means that uh, whenever there is work to be done, paintings to be painted for museums or public buildings, it comes down to them and uh, they are commissioned by the art studio to produce a certain uh, type and amount of artwork. And then the rest of the time they, they paint uh, whatever it is they want to paint. And, and team paintings fit that, uh, that program. But uh, there is an, uh, an incentive, of course, to produce team paintings because uh, those are the works that uh, feature uh, prominently in the National uh, Art Exhibition. Uh, but they're also the paintings that uh, are most discussed in art criticism, um, that are commented on uh, most often by the great leader. And of course, that is, uh, if, if, if the great leader comments on uh, one of your works of art, it's a, it's a huge boost for your career. And so there, is a, there are incentives uh, to produce uh, team paintings, but at the same time, it's their contribution, it's their fulfilling of the role they have in society. Uh, a team painting is uh, the, the, the highest uh, contribution they can make, talking to artists and asking them uh, what does it mean to be an artist. And sometimes they are, uh, in, in, in a way, they do realize that uh, the hard work is not done by them. And so they, they realize that uh, producing a team painting is the small contribution they can make to, um, to, to help the workers uh, come into the right spirit, but they have the same sense or imbued by, are imbued by the same sense and are educated to think in terms of uh, the contribution they can make to their society uh, and to the development of their society. And of course, producing a painting is very different from uh, building a hydroelectric power station. Um, so all they can do is depict the work taking place there, the efforts of the workers there uh, at the construction site. Um, but, but it is a realization that that is their contribution to make. You just said earlier that um, uh, the, the, uh, the job of theme paintings is to, uh, to put workers in the right spirit. And it, it reminded me, I think, of something that you said earlier about uh, uh, the, the, the function of propaganda posters being you know, to, to motivate people. Do, do we actually have any, uh, is there any scientific uh, study on the effectiveness of this, you know, how well do these things work at putting people in the right spirit or, or motivating people to work hard during, you know, for example, um, 80 day speed battles and 200 day speed battles? I mean, is there actually any evidence that this does what it's supposed to do? No, there cannot be, I think. Well, there, there could be. I don't think it has been done. Uh, of course, you cannot do um, reception studies in North Korea. You know, art and propaganda posters, they are there in your visual field all the time in North Korea. And whether you directly respond to it or not, it's um, the slogans and the images are constantly surrounding you. I mean, when you look at the North Korean movie, you see also appearing 
uh, in the in the images constantly elements that refer to um, posters uh, on on billboards and things like that. Uh, or you think of uh, paintings also. In paintings, in team paintings, you very often see references to slogans, to posters. Um, and, and so, as I said, there is a kind of loop. The propaganda pops up and repeats itself. And so a painting is, if you like, an echo of a certain campaign. And it is part of North Korean reality. I mean, sometimes... Uh, when people talk about propaganda, it's something you, you encounter, for example, when you talk to journalists uh, who, who will ask you, uh, okay, but that is propaganda, but what about the real North Korea? But propaganda is part of the real North, Cor North Korea. It's, it's, it's part of the visual field uh, that North Koreans see. It uh, shapes their daily life. It uh, um, creates the path they walk, um, the visual path they walk. Uh, so in that sense, it does have a role to play, but how, how effective it is. Um, if, if, if effective means do people uh, blindly and for a full 100% follow the line? No, that is not what it does. And I don't think that is explicitly the purpose. But it does create um, an environment in which you are constantly made aware that you are supposed to uh, be motivated and that you are supposed to contribute. And it also creates an image of a caring society. People look out for each other. There is a collective. And, uh, uh, th those kinds of values are, particularly in team paintings, are what is being communicated. It's the creation of an image of a good life and what a good life in North Korea is supposed to mean. It is partly... A word that comes up in the North Korean propaganda is very often Tungjie, comradely love, people looking out for each other, and, and this sense of community. We all know, of course, people who analyze North Korea are very well aware of uh, how tightly organized communities are, and we see it as a control mechanism only, and it certainly has that role, but it all is also uh, a social community that is supportive of each other, uh, and it is a key element of what life in North Korea means. And art enhances that because it, it repeats it and it produces, it reproduces it as an ideal and a beautiful ideal. Uh, one of the elements that makes North Korean society unique and, 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 and worth, worth working for. What are we to do with the... Uh stream of human rights abuses allegations made against North Korea. How do we how do we process that as people trying to observe and make sense of North Korea from outside it? Um, what I've been talking about is, of course, and in that sense, it, it's absolutely proper to see it as an expansion of the propaganda system. Art is produced uh, by people who are deeply involved in the system through their education. Half of their time is spent on uh, studying what it means. And, and a professional artist is trained to think in the terms of an artist as somebody contributing to, to North Korean society as it is uh, under the leadership of the party and the leader. And so they are, if you like, 
in that sense, mouthpieces. Uh, and so, yeah, human rights abuses uh, don't come in the fray. It's, it's just not, not, not there. Uh, it's there in North Korea, of course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different slice of North Korean reality, if you like. Um, there is a tendency, or a tendency, it's easy to talk about, as I just mentioned, to distinguish propaganda and reality and then pretend that uh, reality has only one dimension. But that's not the case, of course. Uh, reality is very, um, is, is pluriform. It's, it's complex. And uh, human rights abuses are a part of North Korean reality. Absolutely. There's nobody denying that. And it is part of, uh, it's the bottom line, if you like, of, uh, of life in North Korea. North Koreans, if you like, have no choice. They live in that society. They didn't choose that society. It's a society they find themselves in and they have to function. And just as in our society, you function in society and sometimes you break rules and breaking rules can have penalties. The reality of North Korea is that the penalty, depending on the kind of infraction you make, is extremely harsh. But it is part of the complex reality of North Korean society. I'm curious, have you ever heard about any North Korean artists, either directly or indirectly, who were uh, punished for uh, perceived infractions? Yes, uh, but then the question is, what are the infractions? Jong Chang Mo uh, once told me that uh, when, when I had a conversation with him and uh, I wanted to talk about his uh, biography and his career, he talked about the fact that uh, after graduating from um, the Pyongyang University of Fine Arts, he was asked to also do teaching and he said, I'm a lousy teacher and he didn't want to do teaching. And so he, uh, he was a lousy teacher and eventually dropped uh, out of uh, teaching. And uh, it seems that he was punished for that. And he was sent out of Pyongyang away into uh, uh, probably some uh, labor camp. Um, he didn't go into specifics, but he said, uh, I was punished and uh, I was uh, out then for a couple of uh, years. And then eventually I could come back. And he could uh, resume his, um, his career. And we know this from other people also who disappear and then reappear in different circles in uh, North Korea. I mean, public figures that uh, disappear and then reappear. It's part of uh, North Korean reality. Of course, the harshness of uh, what he has been exposed to is certainly not comparable to the worst uh, excesses of uh, the North Korean gulag. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's part of uh, North Korean reality. And you notice when you talk to North Koreans how they try to navigate um, that. Uh, and it's, it's, there again, I think we don't have to, we should not make the mistake in thinking of uh, the North Korean regime as, as, as an ax that always falls and, and uh, as if there is no way of uh, getting away from under the ax. If you have the means and if you have the contacts, always a way of uh, up to a certain extent um, fiddling through. It doesn't always work, uh, and and uh, actions have consequences. And that's, in a way, what Chong Chang Mo told me. Uh, he quit teaching, and the consequence was he was sent uh, away. Was part of his rehabilitation that he had to go back into teaching? No, he never taught again. Okay, interesting. Um, how do you, or how do the, the North Korean artists that you've spoken to, how do they perceive the concept of uh, artistic freedom? So when I ask North Korean artists... How do you pick your subjects? Are you free? Then uh, they laugh and they say, well, yes, of course. 
Uh, and, and they are. I mean, as I already mentioned, when they paint Jutje, so team paintings, which we from the outside, uh, without knowing, may think of as, uh, of course, they have to paint this. Because who in his right mind would want to paint a painting like this? But I think I've, I've tried to explain why they, out of their own accord, want to paint that kind of painting. Because it fulfills the role they have, and they assume that role. They, it's, it's their pride and honor to have that role in North Korean society. And don't forget either that uh, artists are part of an elite in North Korea. They're very close to the center of power, particularly the, 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 the really successful artists, the ones who have been decorated, the Inmin Yesulga, uh, the Kongun Yesulga, who have been designated by the leader. They are very often very close to the leadership. When you say they're very close to the leadership, do you mean like that, that they live in that special part of Pyongyang where the elites live? You know, that's no. a forbidden village. Not that close. Not that close, but um, close in the sense of a closeness to the leadership. Also, ideolog ideologically, they are bound to the leader. Also because in return, the leader provides them with a very comfortable life. It's an extremely comfortable life. They're provided for. They get housing. They have studios they go to, they have a community of fellow artists they can make fun with, uh, work with, exchange ideas with, learn from. They have saunas, health spas, sports fields, libraries. Especially for them. Especially for them on, in, within Mansude. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. So it's a very, very large complex then, the Mansude Art Studio. It's, it's a uh, huge complex, it's yes, almost, absolutely. It's almost like a resort, Mansude Resort for artists. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's not only a resort, it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's a campus. You could call it a yeah. campus. Okay. Um, I want to uh, transition a bit to talking about uh, uh, academic exchange and academic fieldwork in North Korea, because that's something you've also had quite a bit of experience with. Uh, in 2016, uh, you had a, a paper called The Korean Delegation at the 1907 Hague Peace Conference, uh, which ended up being published in Pyongyang on the occasion of the 70th anniversary of the founding of Kim Il-sung University. How did that come about? It's because uh, I work with uh, French colleagues in a joint project. Um, it's a project led by uh, Valérie Jolizot and uh, Elisabeth Chabanol, and it uh, is focused on North Korean cities. Um, Valérie Jolizot is an, uh, a geographer, and she mm -hmm. works on uh, cities, mega cities. She set up a project that aimed towards um, academic exchange, and we found as partner uh, the Pyongyang University of uh, Architecture. But among the team members is also Yannick Bruneton from uh, Paris 7, and Paris 7 was uh, in dialogue with Kim Il-sung University. So he was approached by Kim Il-sung University to participate in uh, this uh, international conference, as we were also planning a, uh, a team a uh, trip to the Pyongyang University of uh, uh, Architecture, we wanted to combine it. And so we thought about possible subjects for, for uh, presenting papers. And I was thinking of, I mean, one of the other, I have in my research, I, I have two caps, if you like. Um, for the last 15, 20 years, I've been, 15 years, I've been working on uh, North Korean art. Uh, but other than that, I've, I'm, I'm a historian of modern Korea, 
And I did uh, way back uh, interesting archival research on um, the 1907 uh, secret Korean mission to the Hague Peace Conference. And of course, one important member of that delegation uh, who died in the Hague was Lee Jun, and Lee Jun hails from North Korea. He is well known in North Korea. Um, he appears on uh, stamps. Um, there's paintings of the uh, of of uh, how Lee Jun slashes himself, kills himself in the conference room. Something that never happened, but it's a typical example of a team painting. And so I thought, okay, this this is uh, as close to uh, a research subject that I can produce. It's uh, based on archives, and so very fact based. But at the same time, I can rattle the cage a little bit. So I submitted. It's it's kind of research that I also submitted in uh, and presented in South Korea. Uh, so I submitted it. The paper was accepted, and I got to go and uh, present. Uh, my paper was, well, let's say the organization wasn't uh, perfect, so there was very little time for discussion after I presented my paper. Funnily enough, I presented in Korean. It happens when I'm in Korea and uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm sufficiently surrounded by Koreans uh, and all the conversations are taking place in Korean. When I start talking and I start off in Korean, I tend to continue in Korean. So I did my presentation in Korean. Uh, which saved me time because then I didn't need a, a translator. But uh, there was no real time for discussion, so I didn't get a response from uh, the Korean professors who were there. I must admit that uh, that section wasn't the most exciting, and it was clear from uh, the, the, the workshop it really depended on the section you were in. History, as you know, is certainly modern history, is a very difficult um, area to talk differently from the set uh, way of talking uh, in North Korea. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, when you go to what is called in North Korea revolutionary history, you can't even talk about history anymore. It's 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 th that is really propaganda. It's a it's a rehashing all the great moments uh, based on declarations rather than an analysis of uh, any other document. So to what extent is academic engagement possible? Well, but in other areas, like with our colleagues from the Pyongyang University of uh, Architecture, and I must also say with uh, the encounters I had with uh, uh, staff from the Pyongyang University of uh, Fine Arts, it is possible. There's areas that are, let's say, less ideological, less tied to justification of the regime, if you like, the historical justification or ideological justification of the regime. There is room uh, and there is interest also. There is uh, an eagerness, both from staff and from uh, students to go into a debate. And they are open to, I shouldn't say learn, uh, it should not be understood as a one-way uh, street. Uh, when when I and uh, my colleagues in, uh, in 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 that project in in Paris, uh, when we think of North Korea and our North Korean colleagues, we do realize it's a two-way street. Uh, we go there to learn from them, and in as far as we can provide them with uh, elements that are useful for them, we will help them uh, to by bringing them into contact when they come to Paris for seminars, uh, bringing up uh, people uh, to present on city planning on um, certain ways of uh, 
sustainable building and things like that. Does academic exchange and engagement with North Korea lend uh, succor or support or legitimacy to the regime of that country? For me and for my colleagues, our focus is on the people we work with, uh, the people we work immediately with, and to recognize them as scholars and to respect them as scholars and to respect them as scholars within their own context. Yes, these people work at a university and all universities are, of course, uh, stage state run and yes of course they work within an ideological context where they just as the artists they contribute to the development of uh, north korea but when they build buildings the buildings are for real people when there are new developments uh, the impetus for getting uh, for example let's think of something um, uh, water purification uh, it could well be that one day uh, they come to us and they say, well, we have uh, an interesting water purification. Can you introduce us to people with expertise uh, in water purification? Then it could well be that uh, the leader has discovered that water purification is an important subject and that that is the impetus. But the trickle-down effect is then that uh, they acquire uh, a knowledge that they can apply and that application filters through into uh, the building of new buildings that eventually benefit people in North Korea. So if, I, if, if I'm understanding that right as an, as an analogy, then that um, uh, doing academic exchange uh, and engagement with North Korean scholars uh, may ultimately uh, you know, create knowledge uh, or exchange knowledge that, that leads to uh, good things in that country. Or you could put it differently and say, if uh, you're only obsessed with the regime and, and how the regime in between brackets benefits, then you're missing the point that you have the, the people we meet, they're serious, they're scholars, they have an interest in their subject, they're committed to their subject, and they function in their society and they want to con contribute to their society. Just as somebody working in irrigation technology in the Netherlands does this in order to contribute his knowledge to um, keeping Netherlands safe. Uh, there is nothing wrong in that. There is a context within, the, within which these people function, and that's, as far as I'm concerned, inevitable and even fine. They are not, they are not to blame for the fact that uh, access to knowledge and expertise is limited, and we provide a window to an expertise and a knowledge that they otherwise would not have access to, and that helps them into developing their own um, knowledge, their own field, uh, and to help helps them grow as scholars. I'm interested interested to hear that you um, have actually had uh, conversations and arguments with uh, North Korean academics and scholars, because I've heard from some other people who have uh, tried to engage in academic engagement in North Korea. That often it um, it ends up just being a group of foreigners talking amongst themselves in North Korea without any actual North Korean uh, engagement uh, or visiting a campus when there are no students there, that kind of thing. But that's been quite different from your experience? It is and it is not. Um, when I think back of the 2016 uh, workshop, there's two things. One is uh, you're in a formal setting and certainly the North Korean scholars particularly the old, in the panel I was in, the, the professors were all very old men and they were really, I would almost say, on edge. Mm -hmm. 
But as I indicated, you, on the edge partly, of dying, you mean, or no, 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 <laughs> on the Sorry. edge in terms of stressed and to. Oh, I uh, see. In the sense that, uh, but, but I, I gave you a reason. It's I, I realize it's really peculiar to the 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 subject uh, of that panel. Um, I've heard from Valerie that uh, the section she was in was very lively with very active uh, interventions from students and debate that spilled out, spilled over into the uh, the, the break time and uh, very different uh, from uh, the room I was in where the subject was, was history and revolutionary history and it was basically, uh, the, the, there was no real communication. It was foreigners presenting and North Koreans um, giving uh, the toron, the, 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 the remarks uh, or the, the questions, the critique, and it was not opening up to a proper debate. But having said that, we with the team of uh, the city and course, so the, the French team of uh, people in working on this um, city-themed uh, project, we stayed on. Uh, and we tied up with the people from uh, the Pyongyang University of Architecture, and we started uh, visiting uh, Ryomyongkori, uh, visiting apartments, visiting buildings, and talking to them as they were involved with the construction, talking about uh, a number of aspects, uh, dealing with the organization of life in the buildings, dealing with the planning of the site, and so on and so forth. And that was very open. At the same time, you know, there is a problem with foreigners attending these conferences. I was in the same comp in the same hotel uh, as uh, the other foreigners, and I was looking around and uh, being quite stunned how, indeed, I noticed um, all these foreigners hiding, it's all, I shouldn't say all, but many of them hiding between their, behind their camera, taking photos, um, following their uh, minders, uh, and, and having no real conversations with their minders. But you know, the minders were um, staff members of Kim Il-sung University. We had, uh, for the French team, we had uh, somebody from French literature and one person, who was the other one? Uh, a marine biologist. Now, these are people you can talk to and they have things to tell. And, and if, if you make the effort of seizing the opportunity, you can have interesting conversation. Now, I'm, of course, you, you may notice what I'm talking about here is beyond the formal sessions. There is room and there is scope. Uh, and it also depends on uh, whether this is a one-off meeting you have or whether it is people you are meeting for the umpteenth time. It differs. I mean, as you get to know each other, um, as you get to trust each other, they will open up. You give something, you get something in return. You've also done academic field work in North Korea. You've hinted at this before, talking about the different artists that you've met. Uh, what's the value of an academic doing field work in North Korea where things are so uh, restricted by the government? It's, of course, a question I ask myself also all the time. I've tried to set up field work. Uh, well, first, for two reasons. Um, Looking at art, I was at some point, I could not just look at the art, I was intrigued in the artist. So I, I wanted to find out whether it was possible to meet artists. And so I set up a project, a proposal. I sent it off to the Committee for Cultural Relations with Foreign Countries. And I'm, I'm 
peculiar about being specific here because there is a, I've been thinking about how this works. And uh, this committee are, if you like, the gatekeepers. They vet on a number of criteria that they know best whether it's worthwhile or not to allow a project to go ahead. And they provide you access to artists. Now, here it's important to stress that um, I came up with the artists I had a selection of artists and all the artists I wanted to talk to, I eventually talked to. Not all of them, but all the artists I talked to, I got to work with were artists that I had picked beforehand because I was interested in them, because I had met them on previous occasions and I wanted to re-engage with and uh, get to know better. And I got to meet some other artists that they pulled out of their sleeve, if you like. Um, but I was steering there. I was leading with providing them with names and I've noticed that when you propose proposals it's important to be really very specific uh, because they will not fill in the dots you have to fill in all the dots and they can work with as precise with the precise instructions or requests you have and of course they have to look whether things are possible or not once on the ground I found that since I speak Korean uh, and I have been meeting them over the years and they know me, I got to talk really very freely with the artists to the point that uh, meeting artists in Mansude Art Studio, there was always somebody from the Mansude Art Studio. And working in Mansude was difficult in the sense that time was limited. Very often there was somebody else there from the art studio. They would be interrupted by people knocking on the door. Um, and very often we were not provided access to their studio. So we really had to work hard to not just meet in the gallery, which is not a comfortable environment for the artists either, but to meet them in their studio. But fortunately, we could also go out of the studio. So my minder, and I don't particularly like that word, I, I prefer the word fixer, in fact. Uh, he had arranged that we could uh, go out and uh, spend the day with artists. Now that did not always work as it was planned because they would receive phone calls and be called back to the studio because something urgent uh, was needed from them. But still, we got to spend time with them uh, outside of the studio. We would go on a picnic. We would follow them uh, sketching. Uh, in September 2018, we even went with a delegate well, delegation with two people from the Pyongyang University of Fine Arts to Pektusan. Something they... Uh, suggested uh, and, and, and going to Pektusan with them and spending uh, three nights there was, was, was brilliant, brilliant. Also because uh, my fixer said uh, it's so different being away from Pyongyang. We would, we would not be disturbed by uh, phone calls, uh, which he was constantly. Even for the fixers, they saw the intent and intention and the energy I, but I was not alone. I was with uh, a photographer, Alice Wieling, who had a, an art project going on the site. The energy we put in it, the commitment we had, uh, that inspired him also to put in uh, an additional effort to facilitate what we wanted to do. And, and the artists we worked with also recognized this and responded in kind. So there was a mutual respect and uh, I mean, to the point that we would have um, a meeting in a coffee shop and uh, uh, one of the artists, somebody I like a lot, she's maybe not the, the greatest artist, but she's a real 
gossip. Um, and, and, and when I say gossip, really gossip, gossiping about other artists and, 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 and funny discussions about how she got um, to know her husband. And she would ask uh, the, my fixer, for example, how did you meet your wife? Was it through matchmaking or was it really a love marriage? And, 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 and uh, these kinds of conversations were taking place and we could be there. And, 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 and to top it all off, at some point, uh, as we were at the Pyongyang University of Fine Arts, so we were in the conference room and the, they were telling us things, uh, ask, answering my question. And I said, you know, hang on for a second. You're telling, us, you're telling me so much and I cannot keep up taking notes and uh, I want to have this conversation properly. Um, is it okay if I record? And uh, I looked at my fixer and I looked at them and they said, yeah, sure, go ahead. A lot of the conversations I was having after that moment, I have on tape, which surprised me. I didn't expect this uh, to be possible, but uh, it was possible. When you were out with uh, one of the artists and there was a phone call to come back to the studio because something urgent was required, did you have your doubts about the uh, the sincerity of that reason? I mean, did you think, well, you know, what what could what could possibly be urgently required from an artist right now? No. The urgently, a, a... the urgently required is what I am, uh, is, is my inference. Um, she got a call and she basically said, uh, or no, she said to my fixer that she had to go back. And he told me that she had to go back. And so we cut, we had lunch and uh, then went back where we were planned for the full day. So we got an additional day later on uh, to catch up because, and that's what I said. So... Mansoudé is a very powerful institution and as, as you know it has very close connections uh, with the leadership so if and it's what I also noticed when you run around or run around when you're in Mansoudé and you meet the management and the way they talk to and work with the artists it's not necessarily nice um, so you see that you see where the power is when Mansoudé calls then they have no choice they have to go now, it's sometimes said by critics of people who go to North Korea for research that they write gently about North Korea and treat the regime with kid gloves to ensure their continued access to that place. Do you agree that that's true in general? And is it true of you in the specific? No, I don't think so. I've never shied away of speaking up. But as you hear, I mean, I, this pauses here and it's because I'm, I certainly am careful, but I'm careful because I don't like uh, to speak in an unnuanced way. I am careful when I talk about my experiences in North Korea because I care about the people I work with. So I would be careful not to bring the people I work with in any danger. At the same time, I'm not concerned about the fact that uh, North Korea uh, follows everything I do very closely. I do not feel impeded in speaking my mind on North Korea. Absolutely not. Do you find that to be true of other people who write on North Korea, that they uh, sort of hold back? Well, let's put it this way. I've seen colleagues of mine, and with colleagues I mean scholars, uh, when they are in North Korea, they seem to speak talk differently. I claim to myself that I don't. Uh, one example is, for example, the project I submitted uh, when I explained what it is I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it and how I wanted to do it. It's a project that I could as well have submitted in Seoul for funding. Uh, so in that sense, I'm not trying to please and turn corners and, 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 and 
put myself in uh, in 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 a certain light that is conducive to appeal to North Korea. That's not what I do. To the point that my fixer realizes this very well, and he has made sure that I was not put in a situation where I would have felt extremely uncomfortable. Um, I was there, I mentioned we were in Pektusan or on Pektusan in uh, September 2018. You may remember that uh, uh, September 2018 was also the month when the, the celebrations of the 70th anniversary of the founding of the DPRK were celebrated. And we were there around that time. And uh, I hadn't realized it, it, but we, when we arrived, he told us, um, uh, you will have to accept that for the duration of the festivities, you will be in the official hotel and you will be part of the official delegations. And so when we arrived, uh, there was a photographer waiting and we appeared in the Rodong Shinmun SA delegation. But he was kind enough not to put us as an official delegation. But uh, when you look it up in the Rodong Shinmun, it says uh, Kuhn de Kuster from Leiden University with his party. Whereas all the other delegations that are featured in the Rodong Shinmun at that time all come as uh, friendship associations and so on and so forth, as official delegations. We were never presented that way. But so for three days, we were uh, with all the other delegations participating in the, in the festivities. And we were supposed to take part in a number of events and, and one of them. And so we're talking about Korea Friendship Association delegations, amongst others. And there were events that, uh, that, that were clearly deeply propagandistic. And he made sure that uh, for one of these events, I would not be there. And he told me, just uh, fall ill. Um, don't come down. Stay in your room. Because he knew it would, uh, it, would, it would make me extremely uncomfortable. It would upset me. It would uh, make me angry. But also, it's something I don't want to do. And it compromises me. And so... There is acceptance. I mean, I've seen, I've been in North Korea and I've seen people dressing up in Kim Il-sung suits and wearing uh, Kim Il-sung badges. And, 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 and I don't know, apparently some people think you have to do that in order to please the North, North Koreans you work with. You don't have to. On other trips when you go there, uh, not the one that you went in, in 2018, but just generally when you go there for an academic uh, fieldwork trip, do you still have to do the regular Pyongyang circuit of, you know, visiting uh, the birthplace of Kim Il-sung, the statues and, you know, those sorts of things that uh, most visitors go on? Or are you able to sort of go straight to the Mansur de Art Studio and cut out the, uh, the Pyongyang tourist circuit? No, it's, it, it's always a mix. It's not as if uh, during those six weeks in 2018, we were constantly with the artists on the country. I mean, if I squeeze, I mean, if I, if I calculate all the hours with the artists, then probably we would have been done in uh, two weeks max. But it, it was good that it was stretched out over six weeks and the uh, touring, I mean, during those six weeks, I've seen places I had not seen before. It's not uninteresting. It was particularly, I mean, the six weeks were important and we went over two trips and it was important. I wanted to do it because it gives uh, the artists also time to absorb meeting us. For them, it's also an experience, just as this for us. Uh, and meeting them over an extended period of time, you build a rapport, a sign of recognition when you meet each other again, you, you can reconnect to the conversation you had and so on. So that's, that's, that's very useful. Uh, but it's never only that. 
I've got two last questions for you. Uh, do you intend to do any more uh, academic fieldwork in North Korea in the near future? Uh, obviously, right now, nobody can even think about going back into North Korea because of uh, COVID-19. But OK, not in the near future. Uh, do you plan to do any academic fieldwork in North Korea when that becomes possible again? Ideally, uh, the project, uh, I need one more trip to wrap this up. Yes. I do not go without a purpose. Uh, I've, it's something that has been nagging me. I like uh, the artists I've met and some of them I would like to keep on meeting. But simply going to meet is, for me, uh, not enough a reason to go. So I do need a project. I don't know whether after this... So for this project, I think I need one more uh, trip after that. It depends whether something new comes up. Uh, I don't know. What will come out of this project? Are you looking at a book? Ideally, it will be a book, yes. It will be a book and it will be an exhibition. So as I said, I went with Alice Wielinga and she has a project uh, of her own. It's a kind of second phase of a project she earlier did. And it's uh, in her earlier project, she worked on looking at uh, North Korea as a photographer. Uh, she visited, uh, she took photos and she squared it uh, with depictions in art uh, and integrated this in a kind of a compound images, um, integrating photos of artwork with her photos in, in kind of collage style. Through the conversations we've been having, she wants to push further and uh, also look beyond the art uh, at the artists. And so I thought it would be good for her to come along. And it was really good because I'm not an artist, but artists relate to her and relate to the project she has. And uh, so I could sit by and watch conversations between them and she could watch watch me having conversations with the artists and absorb their body language and uh, so it was mutually very very rewarding and I'm very happy that I've, I've, I'm working with artists both in North Korea and here because it uh, enriches uh, me as a scholar. I've, I've moved away from thinking of scholarship as uh, rational analysis only. I think we're extremely limited in the fact that we write papers, uh, we write, we scribble on paper with introductions um, and, and conclusions, and it's very linear, uh, very uh, pretentious to pretend that we can analyze everything in rational motives and motivations, and uh, working with artists has opened up my capacity of seeing things, of experiencing experiencing things, of the the the, the importance of can I say um, empathic knowledge and experiential knowledge. It's important. That also is why this kind of field work is important. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, it sounds very interesting. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time. But it's certainly, I look forward to uh, what does come out of this project, whether it's a book or an exhibition or both, uh, and look forward to perhaps discussing it again with you on the podcast at some future date. Our thanks, as always, to James Fretwell and Chatter Carroll for facilitating this podcast and to Arius Dare, our post-recording producer genius, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Thank you and listen again next time. Mm -hmm.